Hey guys, this is Sean Kanan, and you are listening to the Ben Is Now podcast. Rise and shine, my sinners. When Father Evil starts his day, he gets a little deadly. Deadly Grounds Coffee has the richest, smoothest flavor you'll find anywhere. It's sinfully delicious. Once you go deadly, you never go back. Order yours at getdeadly.com. Coffee's so good, it's scary. Hi, this is Rigor, host of Then Is Now podcast and The East Meets the West. I just wanted to say thank you to all of our Patreon subscribers. We appreciate your support as we grow the audience for our shows. You could find our links to our Patreon page as well as our T Public page at havenpodcasts.com. With Patreon, you'll get a lot of exclusive stuff, including our monthly pop culture newsletter, cool gifts, discounts for Tee Public, and our special exclusive show, Then Is Now Filmmakers Series, in which we interview directors, producers, writers, composers, special effects guys, basically anybody who works behind the scenes in film and television and get their insights into the process of creating films and TV shows. Also at our Tee Public page, you'll find cool merch that you can get or even give to others as gifts. You can find those links at our website, or you can go directly to tpublic.com slash stores slash havenpodcasts and patreon.com slash thenisnowpodcast. Enjoy! What kind of a sick school is this? Things are afoot at the Circle K. You're gonna need a bigger boat. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious, and don't call me Shirley. You got spunk. I hate spunk. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Oh, righty then. How you doing? Back off, man. I'm a scientist. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. Stand up to my little friend. I love to celebrate plum in the morning. What are you people? On dope? Stop whining. I got a crap on deck that can choke a donkey. Who is your daddy? I'm sorry, but all questions must be submitted in writing. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Can I do that? I'll be back. A dang old man! Up your nose with you have the phone. What? I'm sailing! I'm sailing! Groovy. You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it. Pull it down. Love means never having to say you're sorry. Here's looking at you, kid. We got no food. We got no jobs. Our pets' heads are falling off! Go to the coast. We get together. Have a few laughs. Hear that, Elizabeth? I'm coming to join you, honey. I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV. I love it when a plan comes together. What we do is if we need that extra push over the cliff, you know what we do? Put it up to 11. 11, exactly. One louder. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? These go to 11. We're on a mission from God. Hello and welcome to Then Is Now Podcast. I am your host, Rigor. So our show is late yet again because uh, a few weeks ago we posted three episodes in one week 
And um, then our schedules, you know, Chris and I, our schedules have just been insane lately. So anyway, I'm going solo again this time, and we have got a packed show for you. So I'm going to get right to it. I had the good fortune of interviewing the director, assistant director, writer, and some of the cast from our new independent horror film called The Last Possession. It's free on Tubi right now, and I highly recommend that you check out the film and then come back for some great behind-the-scenes discussion. Class is in session. I have a bad feeling about this. How could I possibly be expected to handle school on a day like this? Hey, you in my class? I am today. I think you should consider transferring to shock class. Woo woo! Now, now, very few students are severely injured in shock class. Bueller. When you were in school. Bueller. Did you ever cut class? Bueller. Yeah, I guess I did. Sure, most kids cut classes. Good, sign this. Um, he's sick. I get so lonely when I hear that third attendance bell oh, ring and all my kids are not here. Seven years of college down the drain. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. You lack discipline. As long as I'm here, there will be no grades or gold stars or demerits. We're going to have recess all the time. Woo! Go, play and have fun now. Okay, folks, we've got a packed house today. Joining us are some of the cast and crew for the new horror film, The Last Possession. Before we dive into it, I'm going to read the synopsis of the film. And at the top of the show, I did put a warning that listeners should see it before listening to this because there's a potential we may venture into spoiler territory. I'll try not to, but you never know what could happen. The synopsis is as goes. Out of options, after a foreclosure, Kent Peroni is forced to move his wife Stephanie, nine-year-old son Jack, and six-year-old daughter Gabby into the home where his estranged father committed suicide years ago. Once there, the young family begins to notice strange events around the house, which become so terrifying they finally turn to a medium for help. Spirit guide Granny Inez arrives, hoping to cleanse the home for Kent's family, only to learn they're horrifyingly wrong about the nature of the evil that surrounds them. So, joining us today are... Dan Riddle, the director, Greg Schaus, the writer, Stephen Brody, who plays Kent, Cassie Shea Watson, who plays Stephanie, Patricia Shea, who plays Granny Inez, but don't call her Granny if you're over age 12, and Alyssa Riddle, the assistant director. So welcome, everybody. Hello. Hello. Hi. Thank you for having us. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for being here. Glad you could join us. So first of all, I watched the film recently. And I have to say, I really enjoyed it. It was it was so well done. So congratulations to all of you for making such a wonderful picture. Thanks. We had fun making it. Excellent. Excellent. And it's funny because I'm usually pretty good at figuring out where a story is generally going to go. And you guys went in a direction that I completely didn't expect. And I love that about the film. <laughs> it was so good. I have to give credit to Greg for that one. That uh, He, he kind of came up with the idea... And it, it kind of, Greg, you want to explain how you came up with the idea the, for the ending or for the, you know, the, the, the fun twist, if you will? Well, yeah, it was really sort of strange. I, Dan at the time was was looking to, to make a low budget horror and um, I had never written one before. I, start, I started, I came up with the idea of, of a ghost story at first. And then I started thinking, well, what what is Dan really like? Because I wanted it to, he was going to be my first reader, my first audience for this. Yeah. And so I was like, well, what is, what is he like? You know, well, he's got science fiction posters all over his apartment every time I go over there. <laughs> so I'm like, hmm, ghost story, science fiction story. Maybe these two could, could work together in a, in a, you know, interesting way. And it just sort of 
develop from there. That's great. That's great. And did you did you do a lot of research into this kind of a story? Because it does jive with a lot of theories that are out there. And again, without trying to give too much away about what's really going on, um, you know, it, it, this doesn't really spoil it, but it starts off with a haunting, but it becomes something much more. And there's a lot of theories in life that the things they thought they were seeing are they're both considered interdimensional these days. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm trying not to give anything away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to give too much away myself. Um, did I do a lot of research? Not so much, but but mainly because I read so much that I sort of knew about these sorts of things that were out there. And so I just borrowed from things that I've read and also, you know, honestly, from ghost stories that I've loved from the past. So and like I said, I just that once I once I had the concept, then it it just sort of wrote itself really fast. I mean, I wrote the first draft in like two or three weeks. That's great. And I, yeah. And the film definitely has. Um, I want to say it's it's almost got just simply a nod to the film Poltergeist because it's nothing like that movie, but it does have a couple of things that make you sort of that sort of remind you of that. Was that intentional? Not, not poltergeist necessarily, but but definitely, I've definitely seen that film. So it, that could be something that you know got in there that way. But, but I, I definitely love '80s horror, especially. I, I just I like those stories more because they they seem to be more rooted in character. Yes, and I, and I, that's the one thing is I really wanted you to like these people a lot before the stuff starts happening to them. And I, I think that's a mistake a lot of you know horror movies make is is they just sort of hear some people and then bad things happen rather right. than some people see their lives get invested in them and then the bad things happen yes that that's exactly how it worked for me and i you know as an as an audience member and i really was able to i mean not only was i invested in the characters just because we got to know them but i mean damn you guys were great actors uh, every single one of you through the whole thing so I, I really like that. I had one other question um, about the script. There was a quick scene towards the end, again, not giving anything away, but it, it felt to me like it was a nod to the film Evil Dead. <laughs> Is that true? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Well, I mean, I, I did like a lot of people say that. So I, maybe it kind of creeped in there with a lot of camera work that we did. Because, you know, we had a, a, a Chris Vaughn was our steady cam operator. And I've used him for on. I mean, he's he's been in every one of my films. Well, all two of them. And uh, <laughs> he he's great. Like you can kind of like let him go, and he'll do a bunch of cool stuff. And just being able to, to to just the way he thinks and the way he moves is super cool. And I think you know we did a lot of that you know the POV type of stuff with the and it kind of does kind of feel a lot of the vibe of of evil dead for sure oh yeah i mean the cinematography was great in this too but um, i was actually specifically referencing a scene where gabby opens up a door and there's something on the other side of the door not ringing any bells <laughs> no go ahead Wait, uh, i'm just gonna like, confuse which scene uh, there was something happening outside a large kind of oh yeah okay the very yeah the end where there's like a the yeah yeah we'll call it what it is but yeah i mean that that we have a limited budget and we did do like this you know yeah how do you give this away without doing a, a spoiler where it's basically a 
you know, a, a special a, effect a tornado or a portal or whatever you want to call it yeah. uh, type of scenario. Yeah. And it was very similar to, to that for it, sure. It was cool. And Cause it, I just, it was obvious that you, you knew your way through horror movies, you know? Yeah. And I mean, ultimately that kind of came about because of our visual effects budget and, you know, we can only do so much two dimensional, you know, it's like a, it was kind of a cheat two-dimensionally we made it you know we fly through the door and it was all done com- with a composite and our visual effects guys made that work and it was pretty cool that was kind of fun nice so and we didn't have a lot of visual effects i mean we didn't have a lot of computer visual effects and that was like the only time we kind of you know embellished a little bit with like particles and stuff in the air and flying through you know space and whatnot so uh, yeah it, it worked it worked very well i thought and like I said, you know, the acting obviously was very good. Um, Stephen Ca- and Cassie, Cassie's not here yet, um, but Patricia, you guys were great in it. You know, you, you looked comfortable in the roles and you obviously enjoyed working together, especially with the kids who were really good child actors, I have to say. Um, did you guys hang out together when you weren't shooting? We did. We, um, I remember one night we played that game, um, that game with the cards and you make up all these uh, answers. Cards the Against Humanity? Cards. Cards. Yes, yes. <laughs> I had never seen that game before, but the crew introduced me to that. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And Patricia, did you do any research into to prepare for your role as a medium? Oh, God, yes. Um, I'm a Reiki healer and... Um, uh, light worker, so I already kind of had like uh, you know I'm intuitive, so I really was very very like passionate about the research. I you know I studied all the levels of clairvoyancy and you know the different uh, types of you know um, uh, you know whether you can see or smell or touch. They all have different names. Um, I don't remember this stuff anymore because this movie, we did shoot this movie a while ago. <laughs> um, and then I did a lot, a lot of research like uh, possession films and alien films and films about channeling ghosts. And I was constantly like working on my, uh, the moment that, um, I don't know, this is a spoiler moment, people. Yeah, when, uh, yeah. You know, when that I get, the entity inside of me and so i'm i tell the story a lot because it's so funny i would be in my you know living room watching like the fourth kind going oh (laughs) my husband would come home and be like stop doing that you're scaring me you're inviting (laughs) you're inviting entities into the house and i'm like what are you talking about i'm a method actress (laughs) that's awesome uh, I really, really enjoyed it, as okay. you can tell, because I think my character is just so um, inviting, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you definitely, you know, if if I didn't know better, I would swear you were a medium in real life. And like you said, you were you're into Reiki and you're into it a little bit, um, but it came across perfectly on screen. Well, my um, I always feel like when I haven't experienced personally something that I, I'm portraying, 
I feel like, well, what's the difference between an expert and, you know, a novice? It's knowledge. That's all. So if you know how to channel and what it takes and what the levels of like ascension are and how to open your energy up and everything else, you become an expert, whether you are clairvoyant or not, you become believable enough to portray it. So that's how, that's why I do so much research. Right, right. That makes so much sense. And Stephen, you play the character as, you know, the average dad who's just struggling to get his family through life. And he doesn't have time for such, quote unquote, nonsense as the supernatural <laughs> until he finally sees his son floating in the air. And then he, he there was no question. There was, you know, he just was like, OK, we got to get out of here. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of hard to ignore that that part. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but I did my best <laughs> to to uh, to not buy into it a patillion for sure. And it's funny too because I'm sitting there, you know, again as an audience member, and I'm I'm yelling because he he's running through the house, they're screaming from upstairs, and he thinks the kids are just messing with them, and he's getting angry, and I'm like, dude, your wife saw something, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah yeah it, it it took a little convincing but uh you know kent has he, he doesn't believe it until he sees it with his own eyes so um um he's always got a, a, an explanation <laughs> <laughs> that's great that's great and uh cassie just joined us welcome to the show cassie hey how are you good thank you excellent excellent welcome um, so Cassie, we've just, we've been actually talking with the actors. We talked to Patricia and Steven. So, um, jumping right into it, I wanted to ask you, you know, your character, Stephanie, she -hmm. really had, uh, a slightly different arc than the other characters. Cause while she's also trying to emotionally support the family, she becomes a believer of what's going on early in the film. And she ends up going on this emotional roller coaster ride as, as the paranormal events are like beyond her control. And, you know, she tries to remain supportive of the husband, but then it kind of kicks in with her that she knows first and foremost the children need to be protected. H- how did you prepare for this kind of a role? Um, you know, I knew the kids before we started shooting. And um, I, even though I don't have my own kids, I'm very protective. I teach kids and I'm very protective of my students. So just that inherent protectiveness, and I'm my oldest sister. So just that in itself kind of gave me that. I would fight for my sisters when we we're growing up. I would fight for my students. And I kind of had that feeling of I'll fight you for my kids, you know, and just taking that to a whole nother level if they were mine. So I, I really, I really feel like that helped um, prepare me, prepare me for that. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, it's it's a lot. You put a lot of work into it. and It clearly came across. I was telling the others, you know, you guys did a, a knock up job in this movie. It was so good. Um, how long was the shoot? Uh, we, I can't remember. I think we shot, I feel like we were at the, at the location for a month, mm-hmm. but yeah. I think we might've shot for three weeks. Yeah. It was a little over three weeks. Yeah. Okay. And where did you find that house? Cause I really liked it. <laughs> uh, I think, well, gosh, we, we, we did a lot of scouting in, uh, in Texas. We went a whole bunch of places. We went, we drove all around. It was kind of crazy. Uh, but ultimately this place worked out because it was like a ranch. It was kind of like a, almost like a, a place where you can, you can take, uh, you know, a work group and, you know, you can like a dude ranch kind of, and 
go hang out and, you know, go horseback riding and, you know, hunting and whatever. It's like all kinds of stuff. But it, it, but it had like a couple houses on the lot and it had three houses plus a, like a, like a compound with a whole bunch of rooms and beds. So we ended up taking over the whole place and letting all the crew and, you know, actors all stay there. So everybody slept there and we stayed there for the whole time. Oh, wow. And that was what turned me on to it. And it was great. So, and we didn't have to do a whole lot of company moves. We just kind of, you know, moved across to the, uh, another house and we used one of the garages there as the basement. So it was all kind of right there. I think the only things that were away from the, that ranch was the, uh, Kent's work. And what was else? What the, was that? The motel. Hotel. Oh, in the motel. Yeah. yeah. That was it. Wow. So, That's awesome. So Granny Inez's house and the haunted house and the crew quarters were all in one place. Yeah. It was like a crazy uh, summer camp that was really hard. And then it, and there was a movie. Yeah. <laughs> or an alt compound. <laughs> At one point, the kids even went horseback riding somewhere close by or something. It was crazy. Yeah. That was, we. yeah, everybody did. We did like a weekend adventure. So that was kind of cool. That's awesome. I, I, I didn't get to go, but I think the crew. <laughs> That's great. When you get to do a job like that, you know, you really enjoy your work, you know. So, Alyssa, you're the assistant director, is that correct? That's right. At, at first, I, I showed up and I was shooting behind the scenes, and then they had some, like, production changes, and I became the AD. Okay. And what does that job entail? That's, like, the head of the logistics department. So you're figuring out scheduling and keeping everything moving because all the departments have to work together, and so you have to sort of figure out, okay, if we go in this order – um, who has time to set up the next thing while we're doing this thing over here. And, you know, Dan and the producers had ma made some really smart choices, doubling things up, like being all in one physical place for the, for three of the locations and doubling up. Some of the actors uh, were also in charge of stunts and were also um, physically doing some of the stunts with the kids. And we were really strategic with shooting the, what should we say monster at the end to keep it kind of generic the <laughs> yeah. creature day, um, which we did all in one day. So really the AD just like keeps the train on the tracks, keeps it rolling because if everybody's working on different things and doesn't know like, all right, we're doing this in five minutes, then it sort of takes an hour. Right. <laughs> and did you, did you have to shoot out? I know a lot of things shoot out of order. Did you shoot out of order particularly? Or? Absolutely. Yeah. And this one was really challenging because they did things like um, the motel shot was the very first day of production and the creature was the very last day of production. And you'll notice in the movie that there's overlap in that. So um, everything was out of order. We are one of our biggest challenges was actually the Texas weather. So some of the storm footage is real and uh, we had to work around that. That was our biggest like scheduling issue. Plus we had kids working and they can only work so many hours a day. Right. Um, and then on creature day, they were doing the makeup in pieces, uh, because so many of the effects were practical. And so we would shoot and Dan is really like the mastermind of this because he knew how he was going to cut it later. Um, uh, but we shot like the, the creature, from the top down as the makeup appliances were applied. And so we would have to reset each scene as we could see more of the creature. 
And uh, that was a, a huge scheduling issue. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So we started with the close-ups, you know, the like the tight, you know, close-up shot of the face of the, of the monster. And then we would move to another location and set up. And while we were setting up, uh, Ashley, our makeup, uh, you know, would, she would apply more of the, of the creature effect. So as, as we were going throughout the day, the, you know, the creature was getting more and more full bodied. So it's kind of, and we kind of planned it that way too. We planned this, you know, we, you know, the shots that way. So we could spend all day doing applying makeup. That's awesome. And we would be really, we would be really strategic. So like James Logan and uh, he, he would like work out the stunts and rig that while Ashley applied more makeup appliances and, um, yeah, it was really cool. We bounced back and forth. That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm going to come back to the special effects in a little bit, but Patricia, I know you're up against the clock here. Um, do you want to briefly tell our listeners like how you got into acting? I always wanted to be an actress um, since I was in grade school, and um, I moved around a lot, so acting was also something that kind of um, I could gravitate towards in any school that I was in because my my education was very um, you know disparate. And then when I got to um, high school, I joined the drama club, and. Uh, I didn't want to go to college, but my girlfriend talked me into it, and I attended a year at um, Flagler College in St. Augustine, Florida. And I started, you know, in in the drama department because I was going to major in drama, and I realized there was a lot of um, just a lot of racism already at in, even at that level. Um, because I was Latina, I felt that I never got the opportunity to audition for the lead roles in any of the productions. And I was like, well, if I'm going to get typecast, I'm just going to go go out into the you know, workforce. So I, I, I dropped out of college and I, I chose to go back to New York and study at the Lee Strasberg Theater Institute. Hmm. And that's where I learned that I needed therapy because apparently... <laughs> You do a lot of method acting, which is, you know, dredging up your past to help you kind of connect to the character's emotions. And um, so I have realized that a lot of people in class were like lifers, you know, they, I'd be like, oh, well, how long have you been here? And they'd be like, oh, I've been here for four years. And I'm like, four <laughs> years? I'm not going to be in this class for four years, people. <laughs> So I finished the course, which took me like um, 18 months. And, uh, and then I just started working. I found an agent. I got headshots. And um, my first job was on um, Miami Vice. I got sent as an extra. And I ended up like worming my way into a, a speaking role. And it was a guest star. Wow. So I was forced to join SAG on my very first job. And I <laughs> kept working that's awesome do you ever find that when you're playing a particularly intense character and you have to get into these real deep maybe even sometimes dark emotions that you you could take it home with you and not really mean to um i i think maybe i, I used to when i was younger but i've been working for 30 years in the industry now and 
I really take precautions not to take that energy home with me because that's how I really find my characters is like, I find the essence and the energy. What's different about this person? Cause everyone has different uh, pace and, and rhythm. Right. So, um, just doing all the work and all the research and because I'm a method actress, I've really learned to let go so that, that I don't bring characters home with me. Oh, but I do kind of the accents, I do kind of stay in the accent because then it just becomes very organic. Right, right. You don't have to keep re relearning it every morning. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, what projects do you have coming up that you can talk about? Um, I have a film called Beyond Paranormal, which is streaming on Amazon, iTunes, and you know Comcast, all the uh, paid you know paid platforms. Right. Um, it's I also play like um, I play more of like a tarot card reader in that, um, okay. and she's um, not exactly who she you know seems to be. So it's more of like a, a you know. Um, She's like a trickster. Um, and then I do have another film called um, Broom Street, which is doing the festival circuit. And it's the last movie that John Hurd did from Home Alone. Oh, yeah. Him and I had been longtime friends and I produced that film. So I, I brought him on and we played partners. It's a it's an 80s film about um, the... Um, the heroin, the uh, French Connection heroin that they stole, they were siph siphoning from the Broom Street police station that the police themselves were stealing it and they were selling it. Oh, and then they discovered these red uh, like uh, bugs in it. And that's when they realized that all of the evidence wasn't heroin anymore. It was just flour. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. And of course you can watch me on my show, All Rise, which has um, got a new um, network. We're going to air on OWN this year in June. I play a Judge Delgado. So it's a recurring guest star. I've been on the show for three seasons and she's, she's a bit of a, you know, uh, no nonsense kind of character, very much like a Judge Judy. Well, that's awesome. Good for you. Thank you so much. Excellent, excellent. Thank you for for being here with us. So, while we're talking about the um, uh, the actors, um, Stephen, how did you get into acting? Oh boy, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to make my story short. Um, <laughs> well, in a in a nutshell, I was uh, I was always really shy as a kid growing up so i didn't i didn't do theater in school and any of that sort of thing i got started way late as an adult because uh i just was afraid to try it didn't want to fail and look stupid and feel foolish and all that good stuff so it took me a long time to to get there and and uh and it was kind of like therapy for me when i first started i just uh, just other things in my life that that I found that I was afraid to do or try. Not, I mean, I was, I have lots of friends and all this stuff. It's not, I mean, it wasn't like some you know maladjusted <laughs> weirdo or anything, but like, I um, but I I I just just uh, a lot of things that I just ah, I wish I could do that. I'd like to try that, but unless I was good at something, I didn't want to put myself out there. Right. I mean, I, so um, so I you know missed a lot of opportunities that I that I regret, I guess. But um, anyway, there was a girl involved as well, and a relationship and all this stuff, and I. I just one day I was like, man, I'm I feel like I'm all messed up. Like I have commitment issues and I've got all these things that I, I just want to do, but I don't. And 
and all. Anyway, so long story short, I decided like, uh, it was kind of like therapy. I need to, I just need to address like fear in general, instead of having like all these issues I had I problems with this, 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 and this long thing. I just, I said, you know what? I think all these are actually symptoms. They're not different issues. They're symptoms of just fear in general. So mm. what can I do to just start addressing fear in general? And so I kind of jumped into the acting and I figured, <laughs> you know, it's something I was always interested in, but afraid to try. And, um, and what else can you do where you're constantly being judged, constantly looking foolish and feeling stupid and, um, you know, and all that stuff. Uh, and I just got and jumped into a, a six week class, you know, for intro to acting and I figured it'd be a safe place. Other people also starting out and, you know, I, from the first class, I was not nervous. I was, I enjoyed the heck out of it. And I was, you know, comfortable and made a lot of friends. And by, you know, midway through that class, I was already started auditioning and booked my first role, a little one-liner. And, <laughs> and by the end, I booked a couple other, you know, another couple lines and, um, and I just, just been working since then. Um, after that, got a, got two agents and, and I've stayed busy since. So, um, and it has helped in other areas, you know, I mean, like, again, just like all just fear, you're, you know, afraid to try or, or look stupid keeps you from doing so many things, including holds you back, back in relationships. So, um, you know, so uh, I, it, it definitely is helped. And plus, it's just been a lot of fun. So <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, well, good for you, man, you know. And we had an actor recently on the show. His name was Hunter Redfern, and he basically said, like, if he had to do something in front of people, he would have anxiety, and he was sort of mentally able to turn that around into excitement. So he would sort of psych himself that, no, no I'm not afraid. I'm actually really excited to do this. And then that really kind of helped him get into acting as well. That's great. So that's awesome. So Cassie, you're up next. How did you get on this path of being an actress? Well, for me, um, when I was in second grade, I, had, I saw a school play and it was that moment that was the first feeling of, I want to do that. And so all my life from that point on, it's when I wanted to act. So when I got, uh, I moved schools and I started acting in my new school and I just kept it up through college. And I went to UNT, University of North Texas in Denton. And I majored in acting there, started doing musicals, started singing. And then um, I did theater up until I was probably, I was about 20, 21, 22. And then I auditioned for a film and it was my first film I was going to audition for. I had done a um, reality show and I was like, I did this reality show. So I went and I auditioned for this film for an extra role. And I looked like the lead character and they needed to fill a role. So they cast me as the lead character's daughter. And that was the first film I did. And it was a, a, a SAG film. And I was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm on board. Let's do it. Nice. So um, that was pretty awesome. And then from that point on, I got a couple of agents and I just started acting and, and the rest of this history. And I also, because acting, because I found acting through seeing a play and um, having influential teachers in my life, I, not only did I do film and television, but I also started my own business teaching private lessons with acting and singing. And um, that has been probably, I love acting, but teaching and seeing children and adults um, grow in and find their strength and um, get to be able to get over weak, their, their things that scare them in life, kind of like what 
what Stephen was saying was really inspiration has been really inspirational to me. And I, I love both. I love acting, but I love teaching too. That's excellent. That's excellent. Yeah. You guys are a good team together, you know, acting wise. Um, do you ever, would you ever consider working together in the future if you could? I'm sure we've worked quite a bit together, so there will be other opportunities. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. So while we're on this track here, Dan, why don't you tell us how you got into directing? Oh my God. Um, well, uh, I mean, I, you know, I was always, I've always made shorts and little things ever since high school. So, you know, running around with the camera and whatnot. So, um, but you know, I, I ended up more being an editor, um, cause I was kind of a computer nerd and ended up, you know, installing premiere and working with, you know, editing software way back when. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think ultimately I came out to Hollywood and I started working as assistant editor and I remember wanting to edit and everybody thinks this is crazy, but I wanted to edit a lot, uh, uh learn how to edit more, like get into the kind of technical aspect of, of editing. Yeah. And I, and so I kind of dove into directing so I could have footage to cut, which, you know, it's kind of backwards. I think everybody wants to be the director. Right. But right. I did that with technically crazy. And, you know, I was an assistant editor in Hollywood when I, when I made that film as a director with Greg, Greg was also uh, co-directed it with me. He wrote it. That's how we, we kind of, we've been working together since then. And that was like kind of a, a really cool, you know, fun, you know, introduction to like just diving into it. And ever since then, I mean, I've been doing shorts and, you know, working on, you know, mostly stuff with my friends and uh, you know, this kind of a, this, this, this has been, you know, a lot of fun. And I think I kind of, you know, and Cassie, Cassie was working on a movie before technically crazy. And I went out to her set and like hung out with all, you know, all the people making her movie back, you know, that was a while ago. And I, I thought that was super cool. And I was like, man, I, I wish I think I could do this. And so I, I kind of dived into to it and, you know, so and I think that's turned into several films because of, you know, kind of watching Cassie make her movie way back when. So, you know, I, I, I don't, yeah. So I guess that's kind of where it all came from, I guess. I don't know. So, uh, <laughs> Awesome, awesome, and and Greg. So you're you're a partner in crime here with Dan. How, how did you come to be that way? How did I come to be Dan's partner in crime, or how did I become get into writing? <laughs> <laughs> I was a roundabout way of saying, how did you get into writing? <laughs> okay. Uh, oh man, uh, shame and alcohol. Uh, no, I don't know. Uh, I, I always knew I, I wanted to be a writer. You know, when I was a just growing up, I, I would in high school, I would I would write breakup notes for friends that were just just horrible, mean spirited, awful things that they all loved, you know, because <laughs> it makes you feel better at the time. So um, and uh, I, I, when I got into college, uh, I I did like I was I thought I was going to go into to, like TV production is what I was, you know, looking at, but I, I really wanted didn't really want to do that, but that was the closest I could get to where I wanted to be. So, um, well, well, I, after I graduated, 
with you know my BA that I um I uh, started just writing a, a screenplay and, and uh, looking at different film schools and uh, ended up getting into AFI. And so from there, I, I met a whole bunch of people. Um, one of them was like probably one of my better friends from, uh, from film school was from Texas. And that's sort of how I ended up meeting Dan in a roundabout way. Yeah. And, and things just sort of grew from there. That's awesome. yeah, I remember reading, I remember reading Greg's script and uh, like I, I was looking for a script to make technically crazy. And I read a lot of the blacklist scripts. I don't know if you're familiar with those, but that's, those are like hot scripts that have been, been passed over for the season. Hmm. And, and then eventually sometimes they get picked up and they're kind of popular, but I read a whole bunch of those scripts and I read Greg's script and I was like, man, Greg, this script is very, like a lot like the, the, blacklist scripts and so i was like let's make this and so that's kind of how how you know i loved his scripts so that's that that was kind of fun so that's awesome but, that's awesome yeah. and rounding things out Alyssa, how did you get into uh, becoming an assistant director well i'm usually not an assistant director i but i'll tell you how it started <laughs> i saw et when i was about four and a half and it like <laughs> blew my mind, wrecked my world. I was very upset. And my mom kept trying to explain to me, she's like, no, it's like a story. Those people have real lives and they were telling a story and you get to see it on the screen. And it's just like when we read a book and it took me a long time to understand that, but I decided then and there, that's what I wanted to do with my life. And I lived in small town, Texas, but they started calling me Hollywood. So I went to <laughs> film school at the university of Texas. And then I moved out to Hollywood and I just kept falling into production and post-production work in order to afford living there really. And I think um, my career didn't go as far as I wanted it to because I secretly wanted to be an actor and I'm doing that now. I wasn't brave as early as, <laughs> as the other actors here. And um, as for being an AD, I got my practice on some crazy reality shows, being a production manager and being a quasi assistant director. Um, and then every time I go to Texas to help out on movies with my friends, I just sort of end up uh, the assistant director. So <laughs> uh, it's kind of fun. If a friend is like, hey, Alyssa, will you come out and be a production assistant for two days? I'm like, sure. And then somehow, I just run the production. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. It must give you a sense of satisfaction, though, because you've got so many working parts that you're trying to coordinate, you know? Yeah, you know, working with good people is the best thing about working in the film industry. And I am always excited to help people get their films off the ground and get their and keep the momentum going because it is an enormous struggle and it takes a lot of energy. And especially when you have, like, one person or a small group of people really trying to get things made. You never have enough time. You never have enough resources and they need all the help they can get. And I'm a real pushy person, so I can push things forward really well. Awesome. Awesome. Good for you. So that being said, I wanted to ask the actors here, um, uh, what do you look for in a director? Hmm. Uh, do you mind if I go first? Cause then I'm going to hop off. Okay. Yeah. Go right ahead. Thank you guys. Uh, thank you, Cass, and thank you, Stephen. Mm -hmm. um, I look for um, someone, well, if it's a first time director, I look for creativity, you know? Uh, you don't have to 
be have the experience but you need to have a certain um like fearlessness and yeah. collaboration with the with the actor because you know if they're kind of like learning on the job then um there has to be an expert right so if you're a first-time director and i'm a seasoned actress then there has to be a collaboration between the two of them you know you you're gonna let me kind of do what i do and i'll let you guide me but um you know let's come to it together if it's a more seasoned director or like television show, I kind of just let the director do it his thing and trust that he has a bigger picture. I do my homework. I do my thing. I come prepared. I know who my character is. I know all my backstory. I know everything. Um, once in a while, I'll question a, a line or something, but I really just let the the experts do their work, you know? So that's kind of how I approach directors. Excellent, excellent. And I apologize, we kept you a little over time. I didn't mean to. Oh, it's all right. But thank you so much for having me, Roger. And yep. congratulations to everyone on the movie, Alyssa, Greg, Dan, Stephen, Cassie, um, everybody. Um, it does take a village to make a movie. I know it's such a daunting daunting jobs sometimes and if you don't have the support if you don't have people that see your vision um champion your vision it's really hard to make a movie right exactly thanks, thanks for being patricia. here patricia thank you patricia you're yeah. welcome bye guys bye. Bye. so yeah so cassie and uh, steven what are your thoughts on what you look for as a director steven you want to go first <laughs> Um, sure. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, I kind of have a, a lot of similar uh, views like, uh, like Patricia, but, um, but for me, yeah, I mean, certainly I, I like to work with director who has a strong vision for the project and, uh, and has done their part. Certainly. Um, I've worked with a, a wide variety of different directors, but, but yeah, it's, it's great when you work with someone who, who knows the characters even, as you know, as well as you as the actor, you know, and not just only camera angle or, or, uh, you know, this and that. So uh, someone who, who, who really knows the story well and has a strong vision, but at the same time is, uh, is, is willing to, uh, to collaborate as well. Um, that's, that's really great. It's, uh, you know, sometimes you get directors that don't, that again, don't really they're just like well, actors are weird. I don't know them, but I'm. I want this to look good, and that's kind of it, you know. Yeah. Um. And so, and and that's can be great if you if you know you you know what you're doing and stuff. But then, but taking everybody's performances and putting them all together, um, take someone who has a bigger vision than that, as you know. Um. And sometimes you can tell. Mm -hmm. Um. But so, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a collaborative. Uh, medium and and it's a you know it's a people oriented business so <laughs> I certainly like people that uh, uh, whether it's a director or, or anyone else on set you know uh, that that it, it has that spirit you know that that like we're here to make a movie we're gonna here to have fun doing it you know right. we we're taking care of business and we're getting things done you know that need to get done but you know let's let's enjoy the process too because for me it's it's a lot about the people um, as well so awesome awesome cassie yeah i totally i agree with both 
Patricia and Steven. Um, I, I love directors that trust you just to do your job. And to, to me, if you cast me, then if you've hired me, then that means that they're, that you like my style, you like my acting. So just trust that I can do it. And um, there's a lot of directors that want to micromanage. And in, at some point you start feeling like, okay, why did you cast me if you're going to micromanage every single line or whatever? And it, and it takes away your freedom to just really be the character that you, that you've envisioned after, after talking with the director. And, you know, there's that, I, I think that um, many directors I've wor worked with, including Dan, they do a good job at having a vision of what they want the project as a whole to look like. Right. And they can say, Hey, this is what I want out of this character. Now go do your job. And um, that's what I loved about working on this project and many projects I've worked on and it's hard. That's hard to get out of a first time director or like, like Patricia was saying, you know, first time directors, it's hard to trust them because it's, because they, um, they, it's almost like they want to act for you, you know? And it's like, well, you know, really good directors just trust you to do your, to do your job. And so um, I have respect for Dan because of that. He, I mean, he hadn't directed, he, this was how many, what project was this for you, Dan? Like two or three? Well, this is the second. Direct. Well, to direct. To, to... <laughs> yeah. To direct. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, this is a billionth project. Yeah. To do right. else on, but <laughs> but to, to direct. So Dan did a great job because he has so much experience. He did a good job at just letting us be, do our thing, you know? Right. Right. So Dan, well, in terms of, of what Cassie just said, of, of letting the actors do their thing, what's your policy or how do you view um, improv uh, per se? You know, I, I know some directors are, it's got to be all the words in the script and that's it. And other directors are, hey, let's just make it up as we go. Do you find yourself on either side or you sort of in the happy medium in the middle where, hey, let's try it your way and see how that works. You know what I mean? Is that how you kind of approach things? Uh, I mean, I've done... I've done both. So I've worked on a web series that was a lot of improv. And it's like there we had a basic script that we wanted to kind of kind of adhere to, but the 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 guys were really funny and just went on, you know, total tangents and we just went with it. So as long as it's funny, you know, and and it, that's harder because you know, you kind of have to adjust and change things on the fly because you know their comedy takes the story in a little slightly different direction you know so right. that i did a show i did a series called uh, driving arizona and it, it was a lot of fun as far as like is a lot of ad-lib stuff um but as far as like the technically crazy and last possession we to pretty close to the script. I don't think we kind of veered off too much into improv. Um, I, I just don't know if we had, did we do any improv? I can't even remember if. I don't think so. Yeah, we yeah. You know, we kind of stuck with the script. And I think it, it it was it was just one of those things where we had to do everything so out of order, and th there was and it's such a you know tight schedule. Plus, we had kids, and you know it was like not much we could improvise, but I'm, I'm totally okay with it. And, you know, as an, you know, I edit a lot, so I don't have a problem, you know, kind of changing things as we go, you know? So, and, you know, if it feels right in the moment, I, I you know, I say go with it. So, um, but yeah, I'm, you know, I, I am, 
yeah. So I kind of want to veer into like, you know, the, the, as far as my directing style, like, do you kind of like to not, you know, be micromanaging? I kind of sit back and let everybody kind of do their thing. And I do that with the crew as well. Like I, I kind of let everybody, you know, kind of do what they're doing unless something seems really out of, out of line. And then I try to kind of step in and kind of veer. I'm, I'm, I don't think I've ever like demanded anything from anybody or anything like that. You know, it's just more of a kind of a, you know, this, you know, point people in the right direction kind of thing, you know? Right. So, um, but then a lot of times I'm surprised by what people do, you know, I'm pretty happy with stuff, you know? And so I think it is a give or take, you know, all of a sudden you get something. Like, yeah. Let's go with that. That's cool. So I don't know. That's, that's my. Hey, Dan, do yeah. you think that when people improv a lot, do you think that it makes it harder for you to edit? Yeah, but I mean, uh, if it's funny, I, I, I deal with it. So and I've, I've been on TV shows with 100% ad lib stuff where they, they I've turned over half hour shows that are like an hour and a half <laughs> to edit. And just because they ad lib so much. And, and, then the, and then we have to sit down and go through all the different versions and kind of decide which one is the best. And it takes a long time, but it's it's ultimately it's fun because you have a lot of options and, you know, some stuff is, is more funny, you know? So you just kind of, you kind of have to like good, you know, go through it, but it's, it's, I don't find it harder to edit. If that you makes are sense. a seasoned editor too. You are pretty amazing. I think most, most editors aren't as good as you to be able to do that too. So that helps. <laughs> do, do you find when you're shooting Dan that you're editing it in your head? Yes, but I also know what I like as an editor. So I can just like shoot what's needed, but I also like to have enough of everything so I can change it, if that makes any sense. So yeah, like, yeah, exactly. I, I don't like shooting just the shot and then moving on, just the shot moving on. I like to shoot the scene as a whole, like kind of give it, you know, uh, play it from the beginning to the end and so let the actors kind of go through the whole scene. And I'll capture, you know, an angle and then we'll do it again from another angle. So that way everybody gets a flow of the whole, whole sequence. Um, but go ahead. But I can say that on the last possession, we didn't already always have the luxury of doing that. So it's also really wonderful that you knew exactly what shots you were planning to use, because even though it was everybody's preference to go through the scene, sometimes it's like, okay, we have 10 minutes and we have to get this from this angle yeah. once and dan knew right. what angle and what to get and how to tell the actors okay i just need exactly this movement action word <laughs> <laughs> and we shot it like that and, and we didn't do the whole movie that way because that would be really um unprofessional but there were times where we had to operate that way so dan's like wealth of knowledge and like skill set and editing made that work well, and also my other secret weapon was Brian D'Augustine. He was, he also, he edited the movie with me on set. So while I was shooting, he was editing. Yeah. So he would put scenes together and I would go look at them and kind of like go, yeah, okay, yeah. And then, you know, he would always do stuff that's pretty great. And I'd be like, oh yeah, okay, cool. We're, that scene's done, let's move on. You know, I don't have to. And there was some times where, you know, I missed something and Brian was like, hey, I need this. And I'm like, you're right. And then we went back and got that shot. So that was a huge thing. If you can uh, 
if you can do that, have an editor on, on set is it's awesome. That's great. Oh. And you shot digitally, I assume? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you couldn't do that on film. <laughs> no. Uh, well, I mean, if you had money, you probably could. I right. Mean, <laughs> you, you, you just, you know, you process overnight and have dailies in the morning. Yeah. That's but that, we, we did some crazy things. You know, we had, we had our all post team set up on, on, at one of the houses on, on the location. And we had, you know, we had to process the dailies, which is, you know, we, we shot in 4k and then we had to, you know, tr- we offline the media, this is all technical stuff, but we would, you know, that took hours. So um, we had people working around the clock, getting those dailies, you know, turning out. And like even Chris Vaughn, our camera operator was coming in in the middle of the night, and, you know, hitting stuff on the computer to have it transfer the dailies over. So there, it was like a real group effort and it was, I don't know, I don't, it was a lot. I'm, I'm super happy it all worked out. That's amazing. Yeah, and it, it's clear in the end. I mean, you know, visually the movie is very beautiful. And it, correct me if I'm wrong, because I, maybe I blinked, but that opening sequence that was all one camera shot, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that impressive. Was, that was all. That was Chris Vaughn as well. He's he's our city cam operator, and we we added that scene at the last minute, I think, or towards the, you know, that was an, an additional scene. Cause we were trying to figure out how to do credits. We were going to do credits over that. We were trying to do something cool. We wanted to have a cool, like I always like to have a really interesting first shot and that's kind of a thing. I have a good first shot, a good ending shot. It's like one of the things I try to do. Yeah. Hopefully I kind of was successful in this one. And then, so yeah. And I think it, it was a lot of fun to kind of, you know, it's hard. To t- it doesn't look like we're panning out very slowly but Chris is sprinting backwards to make that shot work. So <laughs> he is, he is running and, uh, and I've, I'm pretty impressed with that. So it turned out pretty great. I love wow. it, so. that, I'm surprised that because yeah, like you said, it, it's the camera's moving slow. That's yeah. Amazing. It doesn't feel like it's moving fast, but he's, he's running. So it's just, I guess, you know, so yeah, the way the, the shot works. So, but yeah, it was cool. That's great. That's great. So, and this can be any one of you. Can can you tell us about some of the other actors in the film? We had uh, Dan Escudero played Hector. Tom Proctor played Kent's father. Uh, James Logan, who um, was the the sheriff as well as the stunt coordinator, correct? Yeah. So Tom Tom is known as a as a Tom Proctor is known as a stunt guy, and he is you know super popular in the stunt community. And I'm good friends with James Logan. Um, he's like one of my first friends I met out in Hollywood and James is a stunt guy. He's kind of a legend now. He's been in everything. Just look at his IMDb. It's insane. Yeah. It's, he's 180 movies or something like that. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I did look and at him. <laughs> it's it. He's, he's great. I'm trying I try to get him on. He's, he's super busy all the time. So yeah. But, uh, he, he was like, I was like, you know, I'm trying to get this guy, Tom Proctor to play the dad. Cause he's kind of creepy looking and he'd be perfect for the kind of like, the, the you know the scary grandpa and he's like oh yeah I know, I know tom hold on one second and then a few minutes later tom was like all right i'll do your movie and it was just like <laughs> it was great so you know that was and then they ended up helping with stunts as well so you know when the you know when the little you know, when laurel gets you know rises up in the air and you know goes into the attic and all that kind of stuff that's tom just wearing a green suit and picking her up oh wow and, 
So every time the kids are floating, it's just Tom holding them up in the air because, you know, Tom's a big, you know, big guy and he can just hold these guys up, you know, hold the little kids up with the air with one hand. <laughs> so we did all that in a green, green suit. And uh, that was, that was kind of poor Tom wearing that green suit. It was, <laughs> he was a trooper. And then same, same was James Logan. James played, you know, he just, we give him the, the part of the sheriff because he's, just a great you know he's kind of a cool dude and just has the look of uh you know he's from texas and yeah it feels he's texas through and through so um uh, he played great cop or you know great sheriff you know small town sheriff guy that's kind of you know yeah not the greatest dude but kind of squirt you know whatever anyway so he, he was cool but he was he did all the he was a uh, hector you know, we put him in a black wig and like, so when Hector gets flown across the room, that's James, oh, you know, okay. and then Tom is pulling him, you know, Tom, they hooked up a rope to, to James and Tom just, you know, pulls really hard and yanks, you know, and James goes flying across the room. That's great. So, and then, uh, yeah. And, and then he brought in, um, oh, I forgot his name already. I'm blinking. Dan? No, the other the 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 guy who who doubled uh, uh, Stephen. Oh, oh, is it like James Jason Scott something Scott? Yeah. Anyway, uh, he went on to be a huge stunt guy too, and he, the, you know, so so when they're falling down the stairs, it's the it's it's Stephen Stephen stunt double and James playing Hector. You know, that's all. That was a hard stunt, and those guys did that, and it was pretty awesome. So we got some cool stunts for you know, you know, our budget doesn't allow for high end stunt work, but we got, you know, these guys are professionals, you know, like been doing it for years and we got some really great, you know, cool, you know, stuff with, with the, just two guys. So it worked out great. I don't know. Oh yeah. It was, it's very believable on screen. You know, that that's the thing about this film is it may be a low budget film, but it doesn't give that, it doesn't look like a low budget film. You know, you oh, did yeah, a good job of making it look like it had a pretty, you know, higher budget. Thank you. Yeah, we try. I tried to make it as, you know, feel like a, yeah, bigger as we as big as we could. So. Right. And how was it to work with the kids? Because they were, I, I swear, they were. You know, a lot of times when you watch a movie that has kids in them, they're either bad actors or they come across as obnoxious. And these kids reminded me of my own kids when they were little. You know, they, they I believed that they were your, you guys' children, you know? Yeah, I got to give Cassie this one because Cassie is, was our, our link to the children. And she's, you know, Laurel was one of her students. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, Cassie, if you want to talk about Laurel, she was amazing. So uh, Laurel was, I started teaching her when she was three. She knew how to read at the age of three. And um, wow. she walked into my class. She's like, I want to do singing lessons. And I said, well, you have to know how to read. And she's like, okay, I do. And she started reading and I was like, okay, you can take lessons. <laughs> so, um, she was, she was my prodigy child and I teach her to this day. She's um, a voice. So she's pretty awesome. But at that time she was like five or six and, um, Dan had come in. I asked Dan to come into a a workshop I was doing with my students 
a commercial workshop and Laurel just, she was hamming it up for him and she started talking to him and, and, and I was like, ah, Dan, Dan likes this kid. (laughs) And, um, and I read the script that Dan, Dan was thinking about doing. And I was like, okay, here's, we got to make this work because, and I said, I bet Laurel would do this. And she, she was so on board. And, um, when we did this, we, we made it work and, and Dan, I mean, she just, she loved Dan. So it was great working with her because I knew her, had a relationship. And we had also worked with um, the other, the other kid also. Sawyer. Yeah. Sawyer. Sawyer, yes. <laughs> it's been so long. <laughs> we also worked with Sawyer and before and, um, and Sawyer. So both of them together, they were just good kids and they were so excited to be on set and just acting. And they had all their lines memorized before everybody else. And um, yeah. that's the shame. <laughs> the kids were great. I mean, the, the other thing is you, you kind of want to find the kid actors that don't like finish their line and then smile and, you know, are like what I did. And they, 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 they didn't do that. And I, I don't know, there's like a, there's like a Disney-ness to a lot of kid actors Yeah. that uh, this didn't, that, you know, it wasn't there and it, they felt more realistic and more grounded, I guess. Yes. And, and it just, it just worked. And then of course, you know, Greg wrote some cool characters for the kids to play. So that, that always, always helps too, is they're doing realistic right. things, you know? Right. And, and Laurel played it with like innocence, but she was also fearless at times too. Yeah. I, I wanted to add, this is Alyssa. I wanted to mention that they're also, they were super professional. They were like incredibly prepared. They didn't just know their lines. They knew the entire script. And I remember once we were working on a scene and it wasn't quite working how Dan wanted it to. And I was like, all right, let's try to do each other's lines. And they flip flopped parts and were able to go through the scene doing the opposite characters dialogue and they could do that like immediately no problem and Sawyer played such a little kind of a brat in the kit in the in the show but he was the sweetest little boy like such a sweetheart so I was really impressed with both of them he was also paying attention to everything and he wanted to to he you know give pointers and like helps us with scenes and I was like yeah dude bring it you know nice And, and I knew he helped with like uh just we're trying to figure out little things like how to i don't know he just figured stuff out and was like why don't we do it like this and we're like yeah that'd work and we kind of went with his ideas so he was (laughs) in awesome which was great Mm -hmm. that is so cool that's so cool so in terms of some of the special effects um i was i want i had to know i gotta know how did you do the hole in the ground oh (laughs) If if you well, can give hole, away a trade secret, no, I mean the, the hole the, it was dug. I mean we dug a four foot hole, and it the problem was we were in Middle Ocean, Texas, and that whole area is limestone, and I didn't really know that. And so the guys that ran the ranch, this Casey, he he he's such the nicest guy. Like he he was so excited we were there because he's like a huge Star Wars fan and like loved movies and he was super excited that we we're making a movie out there. And so I, you know, I asked him, I was like, hey, can you can you guys dig a hole in the and I mean we kind of you know plotted where we wanted it in the backyard and I was like right here. He's like, Yeah, sure, we'll take care of that. And then we went off to go shoot Steven's scene in the in the in the lab. And then when we came back, they were still digging that hole. They've been working on it all that for like hours. And I was like, 
what's going on? And he's like, you know, it's solid limestone. It's solid rock. And, then, and they had like jackhammers and backhoes and like they got all the big equipment out there to dig this four foot hole. And it took them like, like, I don't know, all day to dig it. <laughs> and I was just like, oh my God, I had no idea that it would take that much work to dig this hole. So, but to make it look deeper, you know, actually there's like that low angle shot of the, you know, them looking into the hole. We yeah. just put a mirror in the bottom of the hole and then, you know, had the camera pointed down. So it looks like we're deeper in the hole. Oh, okay. So that's a little trick. You know, it's, there's a, we, we kind of had to go hunt for a, a big mirror. I don't remember how we found that mirror. I think it was just on the locate on the property. I it was, remember. but I, I had it for years. I kept that mirror for some reason. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Okay, cool. Wow. But yeah, so we put that in the hole and, and then of course the POV looking down, that's a visual fact we kind of added that make it look like it's an endless pit of, you know. Oh, okay. Okay. That makes sense. Wow. Yeah. Cause that was really believable. Um, you know, and who were, um, so can you tell us a little bit about like the, the people that were involved? Cause with the various special effects you had going on, cause you had visual effects, but then you had makeup effects and, and then of yeah, course, like, you know, some of the like Ash the stunt work you said. Ashley, uh, uh, Levy was our, uh, special effects makeup artist and she's done every, she's done a whole bunch of stuff. She was on scream, the TV show. I worked on screen as an editor and she was the, did all the blood makeup for that. Okay. And she did Cold Summer. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Or yeah. no, Black, Black Summer is a zombie oh, show. Yes. Yeah. And that's amazing. You know, she does all the horror gore stuff. And then she also does beauty makeup and everything. So she's she did everything. She was the one who came in. We had such a we had a very little but low budget for the for the monster. <laughs> <laughs> and uh uh she she was able to pull it off with nothing and wow. i'm with uh it was so awesome that what she you know pulled off for us so i, I can't even i don't even understand how she did it so so she yeah. was setting actors she was like doing the actors makeup and then as soon as the actors would go to set she would work like hand molding and hand painting the creature yeah. appliances so she built the creature the entire I mean, like in parts throughout the whole time we were shooting so that's amazing and then and then applied it all the last day of of production which was i had worked with ashley on the last word right before this and that's how i knew of her because she was pretty they were pretty fast paced on that show too and damn we didn't have much budget yeah. and i just reached out to her and said hey dude can you do this and she's like yeah i can i can build a monster sure okay <laughs> so um that's so, awesome so yeah that was she was she was she was good well thank you cassie that is so cool. <laughs> yes, is our, she was our, she helped us out a lot of the um, acting, the casting and yeah, she, she's, she's got a associate producer credit and it, that's why. <laughs> did, a lot of, did a lot of behind the scenes, secretive things and helped us out a lot. And that's the great thing about, you know, the independent productions is that you don't have 5,000 people working on it. You've got, you know, a smaller amount, a much smaller amount of people 
and everyone or almost everyone is wearing multiple hats and it it's it's just good for the collaboration process in terms of putting it together because you're all working towards this goal and you know that you know i've got two or three things different things to do to contribute and it, it just makes it better you know yeah everybody contributed like their own thing like because we were all friends like you know i'd known dan for years and and Brody. And then it's like, we all kind of knew each other. So we knew we were going to produce something good. And when you know that you're willing to, to ask for favors from people and say, Hey, I'm cashing my, my favor because, uh, we know <laughs> this is going to be awesome. You know? Yeah, that's great. That's great. So as we start to wrap up here, I just wanted to say, um, you know, obviously what we've talked about and by virtue of you all being here, you definitely bonded as like this big happy family, which is great. Um, so let's go around the table and talk about what upcoming projects you all have. Uh, Dan? Um, I, I just finished a movie called The Disappearance of Toby Blackwood, which is in the festivals right now. And it's uh, about a, a YouTuber conspiracy theorist that disappears and their friends try to find out where he is, but they can't leave their house because it's during COVID lockdown. So they do all the internet sleuthing and, and call people and FaceTime and, and like try to figure out what happened to them. And it's a comedy. <laughs> That's awesome. Greg? Um, just, you know, always writing. Uh, I just finished a new script. So I'm hoping to actually go out for, you know, to Hollywood with this one. Uh, sort of a big, big idea. High concept comedy this time. Nice. Steven? Uh, yeah, I, um, let's see, I've got just, just wrapped up, uh, did a segment for an anthology, a horror anthology that, uh, all the, the pieces have to do with witches and witchcraft. So, um, started in that and also, uh, produced and, Whoa. um, and that's just getting some final special effects touches. And then that's supposed to be released later this year. Um, Cassie may or may not be in that film as well. Um, <laughs> and then, um, <laughs> and then uh, I've got a, a feature shooting in New Mexico this summer. It's a, uh, another horror film, dark, twisted uh, kind of a tale, and it's going to be super, super cool. Um, um, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Cassie? Uh, well, yes, as as Stephen mentioned, I, I have, may or may not be a creepy witch in a, um, <laughs> in a segment of the show coming up called Urbex. So we'll see how, let's see what plan, how that pans out. And then um, I have a little film that I'm doing called Lake Court with some friends who was like, hey, we're, we want to shoot a film and, um, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to look good. We've got, we got some great people behind that. And then um, I just got cast in a in a TV show actually that I'm under contract can't really mention yet until until for for at least uh, until after I shoot it so so I'm excited about I'm excited that things are after the pandemic was really slow for a while so I'm exciting that it's really exciting things are starting to pick up. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. And Alyssa. I am in uh, Dan's movie, The Disappearance of Toby Blackwood. I get a scene and I think I'm hilarious in it. <laughs> and I do a lot of voice work. So if you're watching The Resident on Fox and Hulu, I am, my voice is in episode six this season and episode 13. Nice. And 
I also am doing a voice work called Loop Group, which is very unusual. And hopefully you won't be able to recognize my voice because you're sort of not, I'm not supposed to stand out. And uh, again, like Cassie, on that, I'm on shows that I can't really talk about yet. So <laughs> Loop Group. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, guys, Dan's sent me um, everyone's social media information. So I'm going to have all that. Um, in the show notes of this episode, as well as where to find the film, which is on Tubi. And I must say, first of all, Tubi is one of my favorite streaming apps because it's free. And they have so many horror movies on there, like a lot of obscure ones, too, that you can't find anywhere else. I love it. And can I just ask one final question? How did how did that come about getting your film onto Tubi? Um, well, I, I mean, it's the distributor, uh, uh, Terror... Terror Films and Joe Dean did all that. And those guys were great. Um, I, I kind of stumbled onto Terror Films through uh, Technically Crazy. We had uh, we had we had used Distriber for Technically Crazy. And I don't know if you know anything about Distriber, but no. they're notorious. They they went under and stole all the filmmakers' money oh. and all everybody's movies were in limbo because the, the you know it was like I don't know it was a nightmare. So luckily I was able to get you know our movie kind of out of it just because it just, our movie we we went with a trigger and then they went under and it, so it was like right at the tail end of it or right when it happened. So I was able to pull you know pull out and uh, and distribute it myself. Um, but in that. So there was a, you know, a, a Facebook, you know, uh, what do you call it, group that was all complaining about Distriver. And Joe was kind of the, uh, from Terror Films, was was kind of the leader of, you know, getting to the end, you know, getting to what happened and why and getting, you know, all, helping out all the filmmakers get their movies back and, you know, all, all kinds of stuff. And, and he has, you know, he has his own distribution company and I just, you know, kind of went to him and said, Hey, I get this movie. I need some help. Um, what do you think? And these are some of the issues that we have with it. And he just kind of was like, I gotcha. And got, got us on all these, you know, he took over and helped us get it everywhere. So it's, it's going to be on, uh, 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 it's on everything, like all the, all the different things. And, um, What's that one? I can't think of the name of it, but it's like uh, uh, Roku one. Is that what Roku? Called? Yeah, thanks. Oh, okay. We got on yeah. Roku, and 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 then we're gonna get on. I can't really say, but there's like two other big ones that are in the process of happening, and it's just like this is awesome. You know, it's like all this 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 momentum of the movie has been great, and you know, his we've gotten a lot of hits. It's, it's been I think it's been doing pretty well. So we're we're kind of I'm excited about that. So, and yeah. there's a lot, of, a lot, a lot of eyeballs watching it. So it's kind of cool. That's so. awesome. That's awesome. Well, good for you, and good for you for being able to get out of that. You know, we had a guy on who did a, uh, or he's in the middle of making a documentary about exploitation films, and one of the things we talked about was back in the day, in the, like the 70s and 80s, there were a lot of shady distributors that ripped mm. off people big time, and a lot of people's careers were ruined because of it. So you lucked out, man. Yeah. We, yeah, and, and Joe got us out of that. So he, and so that's kind of why I kind of like hit him up. So he's great. If you got a horror movie, 
talk to the terror films they're awesome so excellent excellent well you guys put together an amazing film you should be proud because it's i believe it's an inspiration to other creative people and other independent filmmakers and actors and everybody behind the scenes said just go out and make a movie you know and do it to your best to 110 percent of your ability because that's what you guys did and look what you did it, it's an awesome film thanks man thank you thank you Awesome. Well, thank you guys for joining me today. Uh, maybe we'll uh, come back and talk to the, to you guys again for your next projects. That would yeah. be awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Roger. Awesome. Thanks a lot. Thank Bye. you. Well, I hope you enjoyed my interview with the cast and crew of The Last Possession. It's free on Tubi, so you should definitely check it out. And I really enjoyed it. I think it's uh, it's worthwhile to help support these independent horror films. Uh, there's a lot that come down the pike, but there's very few of this high quality. So uh, Last Possession is one that you really should take note of. Okay, folks, thanks for joining us again today. I did. I don't think we had the chance to mention it on the last episode, but we've started up a new monthly live streaming show. Bill Van Rin from Groovy Doom and the Drive-In Asylum Double Feature and I have teamed up to host a streaming video show called The Fright Lounge in which we discuss all horror media. Now, if you're unsure, if you want to get into horror, uh, you're a little scared, maybe you enjoy CSI, which has gruesome scenes, but or, or conversely, you could be a person who uh, is terrified that all horror is disgusting and scary. Well, you might want to check this out because also, if you're a seasoned horror fan... This show is for the both of you. So please check out the details at havenpodcasts.com. And uh, the Fright Lounge link is on the right-hand side of the webpage. Fright Lounge also has a Facebook page at facebook.com slash Fright Lounge, which will keep you up to date on all our broadcasting dates and times. We'll be live on Facebook and YouTube, and we're always going to have a great guest. And I just wanted to remind you that Patreon is a place where you can support artists like ourselves. We got some great stuff going on at our Patreon page, including our exclusive filmmaker series, where we talk to writers, directors, producers, and basically anybody behind the scenes in film and television. So please be sure to check out the Patreon link on our website and help support your favorite pop culture show. It's only three bucks, the same price as you would pay for a cup of coffee. And when you sign up, you'll be entered into a monthly contest to win Sean Kanan's book, Way of the Cobra. Now, for those who don't know or don't remember, Sean played the villain Mike Barnes in Karate Kid 3, as well as A.J. Quartermain on General Hospital for a few decades, and tons and tons of other roles, including Bold and the Beautiful and uh, his own show, Studio City, on Amazon, just to name a few. Now that's a great deal, so please check it out. And while you're on our site, please click the Public link to get some fun merch. We got our new classes and session design up, so grab them now. You can get a t-shirt, a tote bag, a, a tank top, a sweatshirt, anything you want. It's on Public, and it's on our website, havenpodcasts.com. We also want your feedback, so please email us at thenisnow42 at gmail.com you can also join in the conversation at our facebook then is now podcast group then is now podcast is a proud member of the dorkening podcast network so please be sure to check out the other great shows there at the dorkening podcast network.com also on our website at havenpodcasts.com is our sister show the east 
Meets the West, in which we discuss Shaw Brothers films and spaghetti western movies. And then is now, as we mentioned earlier, is on YouTube. So please visit youtube.com slash user slash UncleDeath1 to get the latest videos as well as other fun videos. Please subscribe to our YouTube page and also share it with your friends and get them to subscribe as well. Don't forget to hit that little bell so you can get notifications of all our new videos. Also, and lastly, please, seriously, go wherever you download your podcast from. And just, if you could, if you like the show, leave us a great review. I mean, five stars is would be awesome. But please, just leave us some great reviews. Because what happens is places like iTunes and Stitcher and all them, um, they go by the ratings. And the, the more good ratings that we get, the higher we'll get bumped up into the recommended list. So if somebody's looking at one show... Our show will pop up and they'll go, oh, I might like that. And they'll watch it. <laughs> they'll listen to it instead of watching it because it's an audio show. Fright Lounge is a video show, but uh, That Is Now Podcast is an audio show for the most part. So uh, you can find us on all the podcasting apps, especially the big three, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Class dismissed. Now podcast is intended for entertainment, educational, and informational purposes only. Sounds, music, and clips played during this podcast are the property of their copyright holders. All original content is copyright Jupiter Media. shows like the one you just heard check out the dorkening podcast network at the dorkening.com